Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. I'm Lauren Alvisu. And I'm Jonathan Downey. And on the show today... Green eggs. Syntax has nothing to do with meaning, and you can have a completely syntactically correct sentence that means absolutely nothing. Which technology should we use to interpret church? If you put strategy first, the mechanics will follow. First up, here's Lauren on syntax, meaning, and what we should do when speakers just aren't making any sense. I promise this will make sense. Just follow me for a second. What do you think about when you hear the sentence, colorless green ideas sleep furiously? Because I think of eggs, like in green eggs and ham, but there's no ham. Just Green eggs sleeping furiously. And it's all because of a picture I once saw where the ideas were represented as light bulbs and my mind went, those are eggs. Yes, the only way that colorless green ideas can be a concept is if they are indeed eggs. Because eggs float and ideas float and then if eggs are gone bad, they don't float, they sink. So that's why they sleep furiously, because they're afraid of going bad. Losing their ability to float and be ideas. And to this day, that is the only way that I can remember. The syntax has nothing to do with meaning. And you can have a completely syntactically correct sentence that means absolutely nothing. Um, you can sometimes use these nonsensical sentences to prove a point. Like the point that Colorless Green Ideas was trying to prove, which is that you can have something syntactically correct, the void of meaning. Sometimes we say things that make no sense. Or we have thought processes that make sense to us, but they make sense to nobody else who hears us. And sometimes this happens in the middle of a sermon. Like in my head, it's making great sense. It's coming out of my mouth and it's not making any clear logical sense to anybody who's hearing me, but I want this to go somewhere. So when I'm interpreting and that happens to another person, who I'm interpreting for, what do I do then? Like, what is meaning? What actually makes sense? I feel like nothing really makes sense unless somebody explains it to you. And many times, preachers will start a sentence and not finish it, or they'll start explaining a concept and you won't understand what that concept really meant in the scope of their sermon until the very end. So what are the choices I have to make as an interpreter to make sure that their message is understood at the end of the day, even if I'm not fully understanding it when it's coming into my ears? My best advice would be, and this is with the full intention of sounding super cliche, okay? Just keep calm and carry on. Keep interpreting because maybe they have a point they're trying to get to. Maybe it'll make sense in the end. Or maybe it will never make sense. But that is what they said. And people have a right to be as confused as I am because 
the speaker didn't fully make sense themselves. Our profession works in the gray areas of meaning. That's where we are. We work between the said and the unsaid, the explicit and the implicit, the denotation and the connotation. We as a society work based off of this rule that people say what they mean and they mean what they say. That's the agreement we've come to. I believe that you're going to be saying truthful statements to me that are relevant to the conversation we are currently engaging on. But sometimes people don't do that. Sometimes people want to be obscure. Sometimes people want to be confusing um, for the sake of the big statement they're trying to make, the point they're trying to get at. Like me, right now, with my little thing about eggs being ideas. At first, that probably made not a lot of sense as to why I was starting my little segment talking about eggs. But when it comes to explaining the topic that I'm trying to come into, it makes sense in the grand scope of things, right? That's why I say that we should keep interpreting. Work with the words that you do have at that point. Because there are so many what-ifs that you could run into that you'll drive yourself insane. My job is to interpret the words that they did say. Now, if I understand the implicit meaning behind those because it's an inside joke or because it's already been explained to me, then I can make sure that that is also portrayed. I'm not going to make it explicit unless it's absolutely necessary. So don't drive yourself insane with the what ifs. Run with the words you have. Work with the implied meanings you did understand. And if you have the chance to, communicate the fact that there were certain ideas that made no sense. If you have that debriefing moment with your preacher, then you could always tell them, hey, I didn't quite understand this concept and this is how I explained it. Um, Is that the point that you were trying to get across? And that will help them as well and it'll help you understand them better. Remember that there is always room for correction. Allow your mistakes to shape your tomorrow. If I've made a mistake and I catch it, I'm going to make sure that I correct it by the next time that it happens. And if I notice a mistake while I'm interpreting of like something that I interpreted a word wrong at the beginning and now it's coming back and we're referencing and I just understood that that was the wrong way to state it, I can correct myself. I don't have to keep running with the wrong statement because that would, that would be even worse. That would be even worse. So in these circumstances, decollage would be your best friend. Whenever I'm not understanding somebody, I'll try to wait a little longer before I start interpreting, before I continue interpreting, so I can make sure that I have understood what they're trying to say before I start talking. But remember, it's not our job to question whether they meant to say that or not. They said it, I will interpret it. Sometimes we already know what they meant because we know who they are, we know what they stand for, we know the point they're trying to make, and we'll run with that. But if I'm unfamiliar with their speaker and I don't quite understand 100% what they're trying to get at, I'm going to try to interpret it as best as I can with the words I do have. It's that simple. When somebody doesn't make sense, 
I don't make sense. Again, people have that right to ask their own questions. They have the right to be confused. And if the preacher wants them to be confused up to a certain point, if I explain it, aren't I defeating the purpose of the confusion that they were meant to be under? Obviously, there's a flip side to this. People sometimes don't finish what they're saying. So what do I do then? I work with the implied meanings of things. Whenever a preacher doesn't finish a sentence in a sermon, it usually is because it's a pretty common one. Like, because of the blood of, because the blood of Christ washes away our sins. By his stripes, we were healed. So... We understand that they are asking people to fill in the blank. Usually those are moments in which everybody speaks up and says the rest of the sentence. God is good all the time. I can trust that people know those things, right? No. I, for one, fill in those blanks. Especially because my congregation is a mixed congregation. We have Spanish speakers and we have English speakers. And so I can't trust that they will hear in English what the rest of that sentence is. So I try to say it. I wait a few seconds and then I finish it off. Um, Especially because there's always the possibility of a first-timer coming in, someone who's a non-believer who doesn't know how the sentence ends. So me filling in that gap when they're not going to be hearing the cue from others around them helps me deliver an interpretation that is accurate and complete. You have to ask yourself about what works for your congregation. There might be a point in which you don't have to do that, especially if you can hear them, because I can't hear. I'm off in a room by myself. I can't hear my congregation. I don't know if everybody said it or didn't say it. So that's why I fill in some blanks in in those situations when I know what the next part of the sentences so that it all makes sense to me, to them, to everybody involved, right? But if your congregation, if you're listening to them, if you're on stage with the pastor and you can listen to what they're saying, then sometimes you don't have to fill in those blanks. Sometimes you can just leave it and it'll make sense. Meaning is a very vast subject. It's a very vast area of study, right? And so there's so many different ways to mean something. And we have a couple of seconds to decode it. If I stop and think about every possible possibility, every possible meaning in that moment in time, I'm going to get paralyzed. And I have to, in a couple of seconds, make a choice, right? Either I take it literally or either I go for what's behind it. If I don't know what they're trying to get up behind it, I'm going to go for literal. And then the other thing that could also greatly help you to make sense when somebody is not making sense is knowing your speaker. So the more you get to know the speaker, the less they can catch you by surprise. As church interpreters, we have the advantage of having a relatively consistent speaker, especially if you're the interpreter for your the church that you already assist, you already know the pastor, right? Um, But if you don't know who you're interpreting for, or you don't know the church you're interpreting for, and you manage to know who the speaker is going to be, looking up their sermons, um, looking up what they're interested in, their Instagram accounts or Facebook accounts, um, that helps you. 
whenever I have a guest preacher come in or somebody who I'm unfamiliar with, I try to get to know one, their preaching style, two, what possible interests they could have that they could put into their um, sermons. I had a pastor who loved fishing and he made fishing analogies every two to three sermons. So I learned a lot about fishing. Um, There was another who loved American football. So I learned a lot about American football so I could get the little analogies, metaphors and examples that he wanted to make. And that helps me make more sense out of the person as well. So making sense out of a preacher that is making no sense is all about the preparation I have beforehand. Practice speaking nonsense. Be confident in it. Because sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes the words that are being said don't make sense at that point in time, but they will make sense eventually. So we have to trust in that and practice and we'll get better over time. This month, I want to talk about the importance of putting strategy before mechanics. What does all that have to do with interpreting in church? Well, the most common question that I get as a consultant church interpreter from churches is something along the lines of which technology should we use to interpret in church? Should we use machines? Should we use people? Should we use remote interpreting? Should we use expensive equipment? Where should the interpreters be? The questions people tend to ask me are the questions about the mechanics of the how of interpreting. How does this interpreting thing actually work? How can we set it up? How can we find interpreters and so on? But questions about mechanics aren't the most important questions when it comes to church interpreting. In fact, questions about mechanics aren't the ones that determine whether the church interpreting will actually be a success. Pretty much any reasonable technical setup can work in a church from having one to two interpreters on stage taking turns with the preacher to relying on some expensive professional remote interpreting platform. And the equipment that churches need to buy can range from a microphone, a spare microphone, to professional interpreting booths and consoles like you see in the United Nations. All sorts of mechanics can work in churches. So the mechanics themselves don't determine success. What determines the success of church interpreting is strategy, not mechanics. What do I mean by strategy? Well, strategy for me looks wider than the individual service, looks wider than just interpreting itself, and asks, what is this church trying to do? What is the interpreting part of? What is the vision of the church? What is the plan of the church? What is the strategy of the church? Is the interpreting part of something bigger than just meeting the needs of these people right here? Does the church have a plan for what they want to do, a plan for discipleship? Or is the interpreting just something that's happening by accident almost? Is there support from the church in general for interpreting? Not just necessarily financial support, but are preachers willing to send through their sermon notes a couple of days or at least a couple of hours before the service? Are they willing to learn new ways of preaching to make themselves more easily interpretable? Are they willing to work with the interpreter rather than seeing them as an annoyance? Do the people in the church have the patience for seeing a a sermon interpreted in front of them a sentence at a time and sermons taking longer than they used to? Who is the church trying to serve with this interpreting? Is it just people who accidentally come in through the door and the church might 
never see again? Is it an online audience? Or a, are, is the church trying to serve people who are already in the church and they're trying to work out how to disciple them? All of these questions affect the mechanics of the interpreting and the, the way that the interpreting needs to work in a given church. Then we have questions about, is there pastoral support for interpreters? Who is making sure that the interpreters are being disabled, are being cared for, are being looked after, are being listened to, not just during the service, but with any concerns that they might have about technology, about preachers, about how the service is going, about the people who are listening to them? Is there support from the members of the church, the, the ordinary everyday members of the church? Are they willing to make sacrifices to make this interpreting work and to allow the interpreting to work? In short, is the church as a whole committed to it? Or is this just a service that needs to be there that the church doesn't really wish it had? Is the interpreting central to the church or peripheral to it? These are all important questions. And of course, is the church ready to pay the cost of interpreting? This could be the cost of hiring professionals or the volunteer time of having volunteers interpret or the cost of buying some new laptops or making sure there's a spare microphone. But not just these costs, there are also costs in terms of the preparation needed for interpreting. That means, for instance, preachers and announcements being sent, uh, preachers' notes and announcements being sent to the interpreters before the service. There's a likelihood of intercultural conflicts in the church. There's a likelihood that because of interpreting and because of people from different countries coming to the church, there may be changes in how the service is run. And in many cases, for interpreting to be a successful part of the wider work of the church, the church is going to need to consider bringing in leaders from different cultures or accepting leaders who are coming into the church from different cultures. And where you have intercultural and multicultural leadership, you necessarily have changes in church practice. That's what leadership is about. Looking at how the church can change what it's doing to to glorify God better and being more diverse. So the strategy and the vision of the church determine the mechanics of the interpreting. For example, a church that's primarily looking to reach an online audience, not the audience that are there in the pews, will automatically want to look at remote interpreting in one way or another to allow the interpreted services to go live online where they're, where they're taking place in the church. They're not so interested in the technological setup of the interpreting in the church itself as they are in making sure that their services can go out professionally in lots of languages at the same time. On the other hand, a church that has a group of a few migrant families and they're looking to meet their needs isn't going to really be interested in, in high-tech, highfalutin interpreting solutions. They're going to be looking for what they can do that works in their specific setting. Likewise, a church that has a multi-million pound outreach strategy is going to have very different concerns and necessarily very different mechanics than a church that's struggling to get by and is trying to work out what they can do with what they already have. The strategy, the vision, the position of the church determine the mechanics of the interpreting. So if someone asks me, how do we set up interpreting in church? My first answer has to be, how much interpreting are you trying to provide and what are you trying to do with it? Who is it for? Who is it serving? Who's behind it? Who's supplying it? And of course, the strategy and the vision and the status and the commitment of the church will all determine whether these mechanics produce sustainable, valuable and God-honouring interpreting. It takes much less 
mechanics and much less setup and much less commitment to just have a one-off conference that's interpreted and ignore different languages for the rest of the year than it does to do this week after week after week and to integrate different languages into home groups and to integrate different languages into marriage guidance counselling and into counsel uh, into pastoral counselling and so on. It's relatively easy to set up interpreting that works as a one-off. It's much more difficult and requires much more commitment to set up interpreting that runs every week as part of a wider vision, strategy and plan in the church to reach and disciple people who speak different languages. So the mechanics come after the strategy. The mechanics show you how to put that strategy in place and how to make it work. The mechanics themselves are far less important than what you're trying to do with the interpreting. In short, if you put strategy first, the mechanics will follow. And any good consultant interpreter, anyone who's got a church interpreting background, can walk you through the stra- your church's strategy, can walk you through building a strategy for your church and finding mechanics that fit with that. And I would be honoured to be able to do that for you. My contact details are in, are in the show notes. Feel free to email me. My name's Jonathan Downey. And I am happy to help you set up a strategy and build the mechanics that work for your church and work in a way that honours God and that is sustainable with the resources that you have. Here's this month's quick tip. With what I said about strategy and with what Lauren said about interpreters dealing with content that doesn't seem to make sense, there is a clear theme developing. Interpreting is a team sport. Interpreting is something not just that an interpreter does in a church or for a church, but is something that needs the interpreter to do with the church. There needs to be understanding on the part of the preacher and thinking about what ideas and stories and idioms might not work when interpreted. There needs to be understanding on the part of the interpreter that they don't want to restrict the preacher in the preacher's style. And there needs to be understanding on the part of the church that as soon as a church has interpreting, it becomes a different kind of church that can't simply exist the same way as monolingual churches can exist. So my quick tip today is simply this. Remember that interpreting is something that we do together. Yes, there are practical things that we can do about giving each other information, about giving each other feedback, about making time for interpreting, about making space for interpreting, about having equipment. All of these things are mechanics and they're important. But what's far more important is the deep-seated attitude that this is something that we're doing together because we want to do it, because we see the value in it, and because we want to be committed to it. A church with interpreting is an entirely different church to a church that is monolingual. If we recognise that, if we celebrate that, and if we work with that understanding, we will do far better together. Remember, church interpreting is something we always do together. Thank you very much for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast presented by Lauren Albizo and Jonathan Downey. If you'd like any more information or support, go to churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.